0: Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. All right, and here's the best part. This is for Jesus. You ready? Elevate! Jesus! It is all about Him. Oh, man. May we lay down the palm branches of our hearts for him to walk in on. I hope his presence is so thick tonight. We need him. The only way that his word is going to get into our hearts is if he's the carrier. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, Come tonight. Fill my mouth with your words. Open up the eyes and ears of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that because of the message tonight, marriages are going to be saved, careers are going to be rescued. I pray that the message tonight, that lives will be saved, literally and spiritually tonight. Lord, I pray that because of your word tonight, you're going to do something special. You're going to change the course of lives. Lord, it can only be done with you because it begins with you, it's by you, and it's for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I talked to the Lord about the message tonight, and I was like, Lord, I am not worthy to talk about wisdom. It's like the last thing that I should ever be talking about. And it was like the Lord kind of did that whisper thing and said to me, it's okay because my word is worthy and just keep my word in your mouth. And so that's what we're gonna do now. We're just gonna stay here. Are y'all ready for this? Let's open the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we are always one decision away from helping or hurting our lives. We live only one decision away of helping or hurting our relationship with the Lord. And we are also always one decision away from helping or hurting our testimony about who God is to the people around us. We walk like on the edge of a slope. And every decision we make is either going to send us slipping or it's going to plant our feet on solid ground one foot in front of the other. And the difference with every footstep will be made through wisdom. When I was a kid, my mom wouldn't let me call anybody dumb or stupid. Those were like outlawed words in my house. And one day I got up the nerve to say, Mom, what does dumb and stupid mean? And she broke it down for me like this. Dumb is when you don't have knowledge. You don't know better. Stupid is when you know better and you do it anyway. What a quick, easy, simplified version of what foolishness is which is why I have no business talking about wisdom because I've spent so much of my life playing around with stupid. I told Jackie, I was like, Jackie, I need to come up with like some personal examples. And she goes, are you going to be able to pick? (laughs) But if we will let the seeds of tonight's word settle and resonate in our hearts, it will change everything in your life. And not just today. It will change everything in the future. It's gonna put you on paths that you didn't know were possible. And you're gonna look back and go, why was my life blessed? Why am I here today? And you may never be able to pinpoint where it started, but I can tell you it will begin with wisdom. Often in life, whenever we come up to a situation, we ask ourselves, is this wrong? People come to me all the time, Dom, can I do this? Is there anything in the Bible that says I can't do this? Is this wrong? That question is just dripping with the logic of, well, if it's not wrong, then obviously it's right. Exactly. But isn't that such a flippant way to look at holiness and sin? Isn't that such a trivial thing to break one of the most critical things in our life down to? The prophets made it clear that sin is like adultery against God. It's like cheating, it's like hurting or damaging a relationship with God. And so, so many times, whenever we're saying, is this wrong, what we're really saying is, how close can I get to sin without actually sinning? You don't have to nod your heads, but I know on the inside you're going, ow, that stabbed a little bit, right? It gets me a little bit. But wouldn't it be kind of ridiculous wouldn't it be a little offensive if I sat down with Jackie and I was like, "Jackie, at what point am I actually cheating on you? Would it be okay to flirt with a girl at the gym or or at Walmart or whatever? Well, what if what about late night text messages? Would that be okay with somebody else? What about, you know, the odd naked photograph? I mean, nothing's happening. What what about What about just kissing, is that okay? Have I cheated on you yet? If we haven't had sex, is that the line? Like, how awful would that be? She'd be like, no, are you an idiot? Do you love me or not? So many times we're living on the edge saying, how close God can I get to sin before I actually hurt you? Before I actually cross the line, where is the line? But a relationship with Jesus Oh my gosh, it changes everything. If you genuinely love somebody, then you're going to do everything within your power not to hurt them, not to break down that relationship. You're going to do everything you can not to offend them. You're going to go out of your way to bless them and do the opposite. So if you're constantly asking the question, how far can I go without sinning? You need to do a relationship check. Do you just have head knowledge about Jesus or do you have a loving relationship with him? Don't forget the definition of love is this. I choose you and I set myself apart to be yours. Because if we're not living like that with Jesus, then it's just a whole bunch of really good head knowledge. Do we have a loving relationship with Jesus? Or are we just trying to see how much fun we can have before it's too far? Is this wrong is such a childish question to gauge our decisions against. Here's a more mature question. Is this wise? Well, that changes everything. That's a whole different scope. It's not about right or wrong, it's about what will benefit myself and my relationship with God the most. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at this in two different versions because I can't pick which one I like more. They're both excellent. Paul is encouraging us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, look carefully then how you walk, as in step by step throughout your day, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord, as in knowing the will of the Lord is actually wisdom. That's interesting. It's a side note. Just throw that in the back of your mind. Let's look at the next version. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Leave that up for a second. So we're careful. We're we're breaking down. We're putting on brand new glasses. What is wise? What is unwise? We're going to make the most of every opportunity, every step of how we walk, every decision that comes through in the monotony of, of daily grinds. You get up and you do the same things over and over again. You go to the same class every day. But in the midst of that, are we being careful to walk in wisdom and making every opportunity the best? Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand why. Because the days are evil. Our society is evil. Why is it evil? Because we as humans are inherently evil. Unless you've given your heart to Jesus and surrendered that to him, then the inclinations of your very heart are selfish and evil. We have to walk with wisdom in the midst of that. God is advising us to be aware, to be intentional, to be careful how we walk in our daily life. Because every decision we make, whether it's big or whether it's small, is going to affect the rest of our lives and who we are in it. We are always one decision away from helping or hurting our lives, our relationship with Jesus, and our testimony to the people around us. Paul please, with us to walk and live and step in wisdom and I am pleading with you elevate please walk and live and step in wisdom it will make all the difference in your lives it is the difference between crashing and burning and it is the difference between having a reputation that precedes you for good that people know your name and having success wherever you go And walking with the Lord in a way that gives him honor and glory. Proverbs chapter 8. I love Proverbs. It compares wisdom to a beautiful woman. It did that to get guys' attention. Finally get us to pay attention to something. And it personifies wisdom as a woman multiple times. And she speaks to us. And she continues through this chapter and the next chapter. And she talks about her strength and her dependability, her consistency, And then in Proverbs 9, it talks about how wisdom is like a woman who prepares her house for a giant party, and she's begging people to come and participate. I want to break down Proverbs 8 just a little bit. This is so good. Proverbs 8, we're going to go verses 1 through 11. It's a little long. Bear with me. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill, the high hill where everybody can hear her. She's yelling at the top of her lungs. Beside the way where the paths meet, she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. You, men, or everybody, I call, my voice is to the sons of men. Oh, you simple ones, understand prudence, and and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips, will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction, not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Go home, keep reading. It's beautiful, all the things that wisdom promises. Wisdom is present, and it's shouting to us. There's no way that you can be like, I'm sorry, I, I don't. I can't earn wisdom, I can't learn it, I don't know, maybe I'm just too, you know, I'm the dumb one. No, no, wisdom is all around us. It's like common sense on steroids. If we'll just pay attention, if we'll just listen, if we'll look, if we'll start processing life, if we'll start trying, if we'll start praying, wisdom Will make itself known. So, what is wisdom, Dom? How do I get it? Hold on to that question. I hope you're asking that question. But hold on to that for the back burner, because the best thing I can do is contrast for you. For me, I love contrast. Tell me what it's not, and it helps me understand what it is. So, let's look at foolishness. In the Bible, the Bible, just like in our common language, has lots of insults and things that you can say about somebody, but the Bible's most harsh and damnable thing that it can say about somebody, and I'm choosing my words carefully, is to call them a fool. Because to call someone a fool is to say that they are bound for hell. Often foolishness and wickedness are interchangeable. Jesus himself actually warns us not to call people fools lightly. It is critical that we are not fools. If we understood maybe a fool held the same kind of of weight that it did then, maybe we would try harder not to be one. Here's the definition of a fool. One who walks contrary to wisdom and follows their inclinations. Their inclinations like your impulses, your feelings. Ooh, ouch a little bit, right? They are hopelessly unable to be corrected, improved, or reformed. To call someone a fool is not just to criticize your character, you're destroying their character. Because you're saying they can't be fixed. There's somebody that, the Proverbs also says, if you took a fool and you hit him 100 times, you still wouldn't be able to get your point across. because a fool has blinders, they know the truth and they refuse to do it. They are the stupid ones, not the dumb ones. Dumb is without knowledge, a fool knows better and does it anyway. Proverbs 1, 7, it's the second half of the verse says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And here are the symptoms. If you're ever like, I wonder wonder what a fool looks like, just like poison ivy makes you itchy, here's what foolishness does to you. It gives you poor judgment. It makes you impulsive towards your feelings. You reject correction and discipline. You're quick to argue, ow. You're fast to anger. You desire violence. You're lazy. You're greedy for things that lack real importance. You're irreverent towards your parents. Gossip, quick to make promises that you're not going to keep, prideful, easily fall into sexual sin. You're deceptive. You repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again, and Proverbs makes it clear that a fool is godless. In fact, Proverbs often, like I said before, will interchange foolishness and wickedness. If I were to simply define what a fool is, it's simply this, being unteachable and following our feelings and impulses over our heads and our wisdom and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Are you teachable? Do you think before you act? Would your parents say that you're teachable and think before you act? Would your teachers say that you're th- teachable and think before you act? We, we need to start sprinting from foolishness, and we need to start clinging and desiring wisdom. As a contrast, the symptoms of wisdom are this. They make good decisions. You live a long life, actually says that. You have humility. You hunger for more knowledge. You're attractive to other people. You find prosperity. You're persuasive. You have a good reputation. You're prepared for the future. You're sought out by those in power and influence, you're given authority. You're safe from harm. You're a good counselor to others. You're obedient to the Lord. And honestly, the list goes on and on and on and on as you read through Proverbs. It just doesn't end. Wisdom brings with it a myriad of blessings, not because of wisdom itself, but because wisdom comes from God. So what is wisdom, Dom, and how do I get it? You're making your case. Here you go. Here's the definition of wisdom. It is the ability to apply knowledge, experience, advice, and good judgment to make right decisions. I'll leave that up for a second. I want to break this down just a little bit. The ability to apply, okay? So you can't have wisdom and do nothing. Wisdom is taking action on something, but it's not taking action based on our feelings or our impulses. It's taking action based on a handful of things, on knowledge. Wisdom pursues and gains knowledge. Can you have knowledge without wisdom? Definitely. Can you have wisdom and not be pursuing knowledge? Probably not. But I've got good news for you. If you don't think you're very smart, wisdom isn't always knowing the answer. Wisdom is knowing where to find the answer. That's the difference. Somebody who's knowledgeable thinks, if I don't know enough, then I'll never get there. Someone who is wise says, I actually have a myriad of people. It's the second time I use myriad tonight. Cool. I actually have a spectrum of people and places that I can glean knowledge and wisdom from. So if I don't have the answer, I know where to find it. Experience. Well-processed experience is a surefire way to grow in wisdom. Why do we look at the people that are older and have gray hair as wise? Because they have more experience than we do. But does that mean that you have to go through bankruptcy to have wisdom about how to avoid it? No. Because you have the wisdom... To learn from the experience of other people. You don't have to lose your virginity. You don't have to get in a car wreck. You don't have to go through all of these things. You can avoid a lot of pain and suffering if we will learn from the experience, not only of ourselves, but of other people. Which leads to the next one, advice. If you have the wisdom to know who to listen to and the discipline to obey, that's a two-sided coin, you have to know who to listen to and you have to have the discipline to actually do what they're telling you to do, then that is the most painless, surefire way to gain wisdom. Experience, man, it hurts. Learn to lean on the advice of wise people. Finally, good judgment this is the ability to process the world around us, to filter what we see and hear and experience to create actionable decisions. In short, it means taking time to think. Good judgment doesn't act on impulses. It goes, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on, hold on. Hmm. Mm. So many times we're flying by what our emotions are saying. So many times our hearts are broken because we were running with our emotions. So many times we get into a lot of trouble because we're running with our emotions. Good judgment means stopping to think. So I've given you the, the definition of wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge, experience, advice, and good judgment to make right decisions. So what does wisdom look like? Here's five things that wisdom is. One, and I know this sounds cliche, wisdom is wise. Let's go home. There is no way that I can talk about wisdom without referring to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. We had it all figured out, right? In first Kings chapter three, we get the story of Solomon. If you don't know the story, I'll sum it up really short. King David was probably the most powerful, valiant, dangerous, cool, God-loving king probably on the planet. It would be tough to compare him with somebody else. His son Solomon, big shoes to fill, was to take the throne after David, and David has died, and he's left the kingdom to Solomon. Big shoes to fill, right? After Solomon has fulfilled his father's last wishes— He goes to make sacrifices for God and God comes to him in a dream and says, Solomon, what do you want? I'll grant your request. And Solomon doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for power or fame. He asks for wisdom. And God is so impressed by Solomon that he says, because you didn't ask for the rest of these things, I'm going to give you wisdom, but that wisdom is going to earn you everything else that you could have asked for. And God did it. Why did Solomon ask for wisdom? Uh, Yes, because wisdom is wise. But follow me on this. 1 Chronicles 22, 11 through 13. This is David speaking to Solomon. It says that this is is one of David's last speeches and he talks to Solomon. You ready? (laughs) Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you, someone say it, and understanding, and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. What did David say? Solomon, pursue this. What does he say? May God give you wisdom. Okay, now let's go to Proverbs chapter four. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon, who wrote Proverbs? All right, let's go to Proverbs chapter four. This is Solomon writing Proverbs. Let's see what he says about dad. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, I'm talking about dad, David, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will pr- preserve you. Love her and she will love you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Is he like, you have to say this any clearer? And in all you're getting, get understanding. So God comes to Solomon. Solomon, ask me, what do you want? Are you catching this? Solomon was acting in wisdom because he was already obeying the words of his father. He didn't come up with this on his own. Solomon was being obedient to his parent. He was following good advice from someone that he respected and therefore he already had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. You have to have wisdom to pursue wisdom. And Solomon knew where to find it. It began with wise advice from someone he respected, from someone who knew already had wisdom. Wisdom is already wise. To pursue it shows that you have wisdom and that you're not a fool, that you're not someone who can't be taught or reformed. So if you'll walk out of here tonight and go, I'm going to pursue wisdom, ta-da! You're on the right path. Number two, wisdom is proactive. Proactive. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Planning is good. It's so nice knowing that God's going to lead us and guide us. But how foolish would it be not to plan at all? That's when we get into trouble. Wisdom is learning. Don't miss this. Everybody, please pay attention right now. Please, 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 please. I'm going to save somebody's life tonight if you'll pay attention. God's word is going to save somebody's life tonight. Wisdom is learning to anticipate trouble and plan avoidance or a response to it. Here's the words of wisdom. Here's the aftermath words of wisdom. I didn't know it was spiked, Dom. I didn't think he would do that to me. I don't know how it happened. It was my first time. I didn't plan to do this. I didn't plan to do that. And you know what? Wisdom is crying out saying it's because you didn't plan not to do it. You didn't plan enough about your relationship that when the push came to shove and in the heat of the moment, you caved in. It's because you didn't plan ahead to say, what kind of party is this? It's because you didn't plan ahead to say, this is where my boundaries are when I'm driving. Foolishness is saying, I didn't plan to. Wisdom is saying, you didn't plan not to. Wisdom is proactive. 2 Timothy 2.22 says to flee temptations. Don't put yourself in the place that you will be tempted. Remember, this is about a relationship with Jesus. In the same way that you should never put yourself in a place that you'd be compromised in your future marriage, you shouldn't put yourself in a place that you'd be compromised in the relationship that's the most important in your whole life and eternity with Jesus Christ. And those times that you get stuck in the middle and you're like, oh, how did I get here? What am I doing here? First Corinthians chapter 10, 13 promises that God will give you a way of escape. No temptation will come on you that you can't endure and he'll make a way of escape. That is good to know. It may not be easy. It may mean that you stand up for something. It may mean that you find a way to leave. It may mean you're walking home, but God will prepare a way of escape for you. Number one, wisdom is wise. Number two, wisdom is proactive. Number three, wisdom is always evaluating. Proverbs 15, one, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That's it, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Why? Because wisdom is evaluating the situation and it's evaluating where this person is at. It's evaluating your past experiences and what you know to do and you think to yourself, How can I answer in a way that is going to get my point across, but it's also going to preserve a relationship with this person that I'm talking with? And so you begin to evaluate things and you come up with a good, gentle answer. Wisdom is always evaluating. Wisdom considers the past. What have I learned from my past experiences? Because if you're not processing that, you're missing out on a lot of gold. Processing your past experiences, processing the past experiences of other people. If your mom goes to talk to you about back in her day and you stop listening, you're missing gold. You ought to be evaluating and listening. Wisdom always considers the present. What circumstances am I in right now that's going to affect my decision, and how is my decision going to affect my circumstances? Constantly evaluating what's going on? What's happening? I'm going out driving at 2 a.m. Is it spring break? Probably not a great time. If you live in Destin, golly, you will die. I've got a text message to send. Am I still in the driveway? Yeah. Am I in the middle of Martin Luther King? Wisdom is always evaluating the present for your decisions. Wisdom is always considering the future, something that I learned from Miko. He said it to me point blank the other day. He said, whenever I counsel someone, I always try to cast the future. Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? Who do you want to be? Because then you can start making decisions now towards that. So let's make an evaluation of the future, and we start making decisions now towards that future, and I bet you that they're going to be wise. My dad grew up in the 60s. He was like 19 or 20 in 1969 whenever they are having... Uh-oh, I just blanked. What was the big festival? Dumb. Someone help me out here. I'm blanking. Woodstock. And I actually called him the other day, and I was like, Dad, come on, be honest with me. I know you like music. I know you're a little crazy. Did you go to Woodstock? And my dad's answer was this. You know what, son? I didn't even know Jesus yet, but my career was so important to me, I had no interest in any sort of drugs or anything. And so I never did them. It had nothing to do. Like, it was before he met the Lord, but his future change the decisions he made today. Remember I told you all last week about Ryan, about how he could have smoked pot in high school, but because he didn't, he was able to get a job with the government. Now he's like hacking computers and banks and stuff. It's just crazy. Ryan's a good guy. He does it legally. Wisdom. Wisdom is factoring in the trusted advice of wise people. If you ever read the story of Solomon's son, Solomon left an entire book about wisdom to his son. And his son had a decision to make, and he heard the voices of wise men, and he heard the voices of his friends, and because he chose to go with his friends, he divided a kingdom that would cause civil war until the kingdom turned on itself to the point that it destroyed itself. And the nation of Israel ceased to exist because of one Decision that was made based on listening to friends instead of listening to wisdom. We have to evaluate who the wise people are in our lives. Number four. All right. Number one. Wisdom is. Wis- number two. Wisdom is. Number three. Wisdom is. Always evaluating. You guys are awesome. Thank you for bearing with me tonight. Hey, even my seventh grade guys are with me. What's up, y'all? Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for your attention. Y'all are awesome. I love y'all. Number four, wisdom is godly. Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Reverencing God, knowing who God is and his power and his might, being quaked and moved by his power and his fathership awesomeness, is actually the beginning of your knowing wisdom and making good decisions. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Y'all know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Did y'all, did y'all catch that? Don't lean on your understanding. Put God first and then he's going to make your choices obvious. That's wisdom. That's wisdom being rooted in from godliness. Proverbs actually says that it was through wisdom that God created the heavens and the earth. It was through wisdom that rulers make just decisions. Let's back up. Did y'all catch that? God created the heavens and the earth, not through a good idea or creativity. He created it through wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. So the only way for us to pursue wisdom is to know God. The only way for us to act in wisdom is to act with God in us. I love it. Wisdom is godly. All right. Number five. All right. Let me see. Number one, wisdom is? Number two, wisdom is? Number three, wisdom is? Number four, wisdom is? All right. Number five. And here's the good news for you. I got it. You don't have to be old and gray. Wisdom is easily accessible. Proverbs 1, 3. I love this proverb. It's so simple. I don't know if I have it up there or not. Yes, it is up there. Number one, notice wisdom is wise. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning attain wise counsel. This gives us, leave it up there, three clues to how to gain wisdom. First of all, it says you got to already be wise to start pursuing these things. And it says that you're going to, what? Listen, obtain knowledge, and get wise counsel. No matter how young you are, you can start on these three things. You can pursue wisdom in the easiest way. Listen, gain knowledge, get wise counsel. Alright, want to make sure you're with me. Alright, number one, it is Awesome. Okay, we're gonna do the three things that are that it takes to get wisdom. You ready? One, two, three. It takes Listen. listening. And Learning. and Discarding. wise counsel. <laughs> Love you guys. All right, so hearkening back to our core verse, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. I am imploring you elevate to be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity with the time that you have. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is for you. This could change your whole life. This could save your life it will start living and acting in wisdom. You know what? You guys have a bad rep. So many people, some of the older people, they're like, oh, teenagers are just all foolish of running amok. Well, you know what? You earn it. You really do. But you know what? You have a bad rep about them thinking so little of you. Maybe you should just earn it. Maybe if we started gleaning wisdom from wise counsel, maybe if we started listening and growing in, in knowledge, Maybe you could flip the script on the whole thing. Maybe your decisions could stand out. Maybe God could draw a line between His people and those that aren't His people because His people are prospering because they're living with wisdom. His people are living longer because of wisdom. His people are growing in their relationships and have better reputations because of wisdom. May God do that. May He separate His people from everybody else so that everybody else looks at them and is jealous. May The world look at you and be jealous and say, why? What is it that you're doing right? And then you get to introduce them to the Lord that you love. God called me ah, very recently to walk in wisdom. And I own my own decision. Prepare your grunt emoji because it's coming. I had to evaluate my decision to do a series on Stranger Things. And I had to ask myself some serious questions. Is it wrong? No, it would not be wrong to use a backdrop of Stranger Things to do a series. But is it above reproach and is it wise? And I had to ask myself and remind myself that I'm held to a higher standard. I'm held to a stricter judgment. And everything that is said from the stage promotes something. And I can either be a part of elevate promoting a craving for God's word, or I can be a part of Elevate promoting a craving for earthly things. And I had to ask, and here's my final question, is if we did a series on Stranger Things, what would you guys want to do more? Would you want to go out and dig into the scriptures that we talked about, or would you want to go binge watch a show? And so as much hype, and that's probably... Why I got excited about it was to have some sort of trending hype thing that we could have decoration, everything about. But I think that tripped me into a good idea instead of a God idea. And I think that where it may be fine for some people, maybe it's not fine for others. And you know what? I don't want to walk that. I'd rather stand before God confident in this decision than go, I tried, I wasn't really sure. Elevate is a place where we elevate Jesus alone elevate and I want to read this quote the first threat to our heavenly appetite is an unhealthy attachment to earthly things the constant consumption of earthly candy has diminished our appetites for the things of God you have enough voices promoting media in your heads elevate has to stand out as a voice that promotes only the things of God and so October is a blank slate I don't know what God has. We're going to do something It's going to be amazing because it's going to be of God. It's going to be under the blood, and it's going to be above reproach. And I'm, I'm honored to walk in that with you. I'm sorry for those of you, I was excited about it, but I can't in good conscience. And I'll stand by my decision. Use something a show with a flinch factor where there's profanity, there's teen sex scenes, and that kind of stuff as a backdrop for God's Word and what we're going to do here tonight. And so I'm trying to act in wisdom. It hurts, but I'm not dumb and I would be stupid for me to try to, like, push something through. So um, I love you guys, and Elevate will be a place that we elevate Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, And uh, I'm sorry that it wasn't an obvious decision up front. So I love you all, and I want to do some worship with you guys real quick. Please elevate, pursue wisdom.